Welcome everybody to the Chronicles Podcast. I'm Bobby. I'm here with Rob and Happy. And <laughs> we would like to ask you to check out statementgames.com. You can find a unique experience in your fantasy sports. Check out docadamsbaseball.org. We're about to follow in baseball and listen to us Monday through Friday on radioplaylive.com at 10 a.m. and 8 p.m. Though so we got the news that it is not Tommy John on uh, Zach Britton. Uh, they're saying it could be four to six weeks, but we know it's, it's going to be looking more. I would say we're not going to see him for another ten weeks because he is missing spring training. Uh, Evan, what do you? What's your assessment on it? Uh, that it's better than what we were expecting. It's one of those things where you hope for the best, but you know, kind of expect the worst. Um, it's not Tommy John, so that's good. But when we assessed it yesterday, we, I think we all were kind of under the understanding that it would be at least six weeks. It's going to be longer than that. It's probably going to be between eight and 12 weeks, which is fine because what you need to do is you need to have him rest and then slowly work back into yeah. it. So if he's not ready to perform baseball activities for about eight to 10 weeks, then you need to give him an extra two to four weeks to kind of, you know, slowly prepare to get back into it. So for me, my timetable is if he's back by like July 10th or the end of July, that's fine. You just need him to have that August and September to kind of get back into it because you don't want him to go full throttle as soon as the playoff starts if he just comes back in September. That's not good. And I don't think he's going to miss the whole season. Like we said, it's 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 a three-month thing yeah. at the minimum, most likely. So if that's three months, then around June or July, he's going to start to pick up baseball activities. Yeah, I think sometimes you hear four to six weeks, and then that's six weeks you're expecting him to be in, you know, in regular season form, pitching in the eighth inning. Yeah, and that's right. it's not the way it works. Right, yeah. exactly. People are going to be but you know what's going to happen? The fans are going to be like, well, it's you know, it's the fourth week he's not throwing yet. No, he's not. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. When when I had a meniscus tear, you're basically you're out for three weeks and then you rehab for three weeks. Yeah. You know, it's one of those type of injuries. And if you're an athlete, you can kind of the timetables less. You can do a meniscus tear in a month if you're really athletic. For someone like me, I had to do it in six weeks. But you know, don't rush these things. There's no point to rush a pitcher who got injured in spring training. There's no reason. Yeah. Rob, your thought? Uh, yeah, I think we definitely dodged a bullet in the you know, in the sense that it's not Tommy John. You know, we should have him back. And if he has to, you know, be after the All-Star break, then it's best-case scenario at that point instead of having him out for the entire year and miss some of next year as well. So, um, yeah, it definitely could have been worse. It, it's It sucks not having him because he's such a big piece. He's definitely the best arm in our bullpen. So it's going to suck not having him for those first few months, but knowing that we will have him back, you know, potentially for the last couple of months for that stretch run and into the playoffs is definitely, you know, Cashman's going to look at that as an addition, you know, he's yeah, going to yeah. use that example. Same thing with Severino. So it's going to be nice having him come back, um, you know, knowing that we're going to see him uh, at some point this year. Yeah. That's Cashman's favorite. Uh, he loves looking at it that way. It's like we don't make any moves during the all stuff, you know, during the trade deadline, you know. But we have this player coming back, so that's like an addition. I actually that drives me nuts. Yeah, I don't like that either. 
It, yeah. It's not. It's not an addiction. <laughs> like that's a weak mentality. You know, but anyway, um, what does this mean? You know, how do they restructure the bullpen now? Does this elevate? Does who gets that eighth inning role? Uh, green. It's got to be Green at that point. He's probably the the next best arm after Britain. Um, that's not a closer because they're going to stick with Chapman. Who I think is missing opening day, if I'm not mistaken. He's suspended. He's suspended for, uh, two or three games. Yeah. Yeah. So he'll miss the first few games. But um, the bullpen structure with Britain gone, pretty much you bump Chad Green into that eighth inning role, and the seventh inning can go to Wilson or O'Day or even Loisaga. But one person that's really going to have to step up, I think, and it's it's a a guy no one really likes right now is Domingo Herman. This is why they didn't just cut cut him loose like a lot of people wanted him to because uh you you have to prepare for possible injuries and as much of a piece of garbage as he is in terms of, of baseball he's not a bad pitcher so that, that's why they kept him around and now he's as, just as important as um a lot of these guys in our pitching staff because they're gonna need him whether he's a starter or he's in the bullpen he's a guy that really needs to step up he could be using those uh those late inning roles potentially maybe even a guy like Sessa Nick Nelson to get a shot now so there's a lot of different arms they can use to fill that void for the few months yeah see I'm tired of Sessa it's he's another one like why is he still on this team yeah well he really doesn't offer much he's durable well all right you know it's you're not going to have everyone on the team be like a unique talent or anything like that. Sometimes you just need someone to be there. And that's Sessa, unfortunately for me, I, I he has decent stuff. He's durable. Uh, is that arm you throw in when the game is out of hand, you know, what, what, you know, whether you know, winning or losing. Just yeah. I mean, I, ne- I never liked him as the starter, but I, I no. think if you need him as a long relief pitcher or someone to bridge a gap, for an inning, there's no reason why you can't use him, but um, he's not—he's not a very exciting player. He's very boring for me to watch. And you know how I feel about boring players. <laughs> yeah, he's just—he's inconsistent. That's what his problem is. Because he'll have an outing where he looks unhittable, you know, like he's the best pitcher we've ever seen. And then he'll have a, then his next outing, he'll give up like four runs. So yeah. it's just inconsistencies for him. If he—we can get like him on a consistent, even if he's got a near four ERA, which is no, not great, but if he's pitching in long relief efforts or when games are out of hand, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. He's, yeah. I would say he's a better option than Loisaga out of the bullpen because we, we don't really know what Loisaga gives us. He's to much more excessive. Yeah. With Loisaga, the issue is his control issues. And I think if he got all of those under control, he's obviously a better pitcher than Sessa. Um, and would fit that role better than Sessa. But like Rob said, there are too many question marks on how wild he is, yeah. on how inconsistent that stuff is. Uh, and, and you just can't take those chances in, the, in an elite spot in the game where you're looking for that clutch factor. He just doesn't have it yet, and I'm not sure his confidence is there either. Because like it, like we've talked about, his control issues, they're really bad. They're like A.J. Burnett bad. Yeah. If, if you have a no-hitter, but you gave up eight walks. I'm sorry. No one should be talking about that no hitter. And that's what AJ Burnett did. And I feel like Loisaga and a guy like Michael Pineda, they're the same type of category. They're these great 
stuff type of pitchers. Their stuff is amazing, but it never comes into factors because of all the other issues that they have, mainly the control. Yeah, um, I also think they don't know what role they want to put Loisinger in. Is, you know, do they want to keep him as a bullpen arm, or do they want to keep him stretched out as a starter? I don't think they've made a decision on what they want to use him for. Well, the problem is, look at the depth on the team. If you look at Loisinger, can he be a starter? Yes, but if you were to build a rotation, what number would you give him? He's probably number eight or nine. Yeah. So realistically, they don't need to take that chance with him unless injuries start to happen. If, say, Kluber, Garcia, and Herman all get injured, then you're probably seeing Lewisica take over a starting role. Yeah, I would agree with that. And they also have guys like Michael King that can come on and give you a couple yeah. of innings and maybe start. Yeah. But one name Clark. that I actually didn't mention, Clark Schmidt, when he does come back, um, Adam Warren now pretty much is a lock to make this yeah. to make this bullpen and it and sucks that it. it has to be because of an injury but um yeah if he, he he's probably almost definitely going to make this team now i think they want to keep a guy like nelson um at the alternate site just in case guys like him and king and uh Krisky and all those younger pitchers if they can get a bullpen full of veteran arms at the start of the season they're going to rather have that 100 percent, i agree with that yeah completely because Nick Nelson, too, he's a special type of arm where they think he can turn into what Chad Green is now. So if you lost to Chapman and you kept Britton, Britton basically becomes the closer. Chad Green's the setup man, and Nick Nelson would be that third option. That's kind of what the future looks like because Chapman needs to go. Um, but, yeah, they're going to protect him. They're not we, – we've come to a day and age where um, – innings limits and all that stuff that really matters to the youth because they want that prime peak to last into their 28, 29, 30, not to see that dip once they hit 30. So that's why they're trying to protect these players now. Well, especially, you know, the players want to be, you know, and the players are all for me, you know, because it takes so long to reach free agency. You know, there's so many, you know, you know, six years of arbitration, which is ridiculous. So by the time they reach free agency, they already have, you know, excess innings on their arms where they're not getting their, you know, paid for their value. Right. You know, I, I think it's interesting too. As if they were on the tail end of their career rather than the beginning of it. And right. It's, yeah. it, and I think it's interesting because back in the day, being a reliever was kind of like not a good thing. You were expected to be a starter that could finish the whole game. But if you look at how baseball is played now, there are multiple, multiple relief pitchers who have long careers that are sometimes 20 years long. They make decent to really good money, but you may not know who they are. I mean, the Marlins and uh, Tampa Bay have several guys who I'm sure no one has heard of, but they're pretty special. Like it, it, Milwaukee has a couple. I mean, there are guys on every team who it's kind of like special teams in football. You may not know their name, but they have a, huge impactful role on the team especially in the playoffs yeah and it's something about the water in tampa because every arm they put on the hill is like a, they, they pitch like an ace it's almost yeah like <laughs> there was this this guy who was a rookie last year i think he's 25 years old i forget his name i'll look it up after the show but he went five and oh with the 285 era in like i don't know 10 innings or something last year He's going to be special this year, and they're going to use him to replace 
uh, other people in that bullpen who they've now lost. And it's amazing because they do this every year. They constantly have several guys who can come and replace guys when those guys become free agents and get the money that they deserve. The one reliever that they had in Tampa that I always hated when they were calling him in was Chaz Ruff. The interesting one. He was a good, you know, he was a good bullpen arm for that organization. Yeah, they always seem to have those under the radar, just yeah. guys you've never heard of, and they come out and just shut people down. It's like, where the hell did he come from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, no, the, the worst is when they bring up an arm, you know, when they, they would bring up a lefty pitcher just to face the Yankees and then send them back down. Yeah. He would always dumb it. <laughs> Every team does it. Oh, he's making his debut. He goes freaking seven innings of shutout ball. Yeah, <laughs> like that that one guy they had, uh, John Burklar or something. I forget oh, his Burklar? name. Something like that. Yeah. He, he's a good pitcher. He left Tampa Bay, and he's been pretty mediocre. I think he went to, like, Minnesota and the Braves or something. I got to look it up because I, I I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but I'm pretty sure it's Burklar. Burklar, so, yeah, something like that. No, we have Barraclaw now. Kyle Barraclaw? Yeah. He's with us now. No, that's not no. who I'm talking about. Oh, you're talking about somebody else then. Yeah, because Barraclaw is with that's the other. That's why I'm going to pronounce the name. <laughs> yeah. I'll Barraclaw, look it up and I'll tell you guys next time. He was with the Marlins, had a really good year, and then I think he got traded, and he's kind of fallen off since then. So we got him on a minor league. That's another arm they could look at, you know, potentially. No. The guy has some good stuff no, in the past. I also think we're forgetting about the role of uh, Chase Eam. Yeah, they could, you know, they could go guy. with him. So, you know, we, we've said this for uh, uh, multiple shows. The, the bullpen depth is not an issue with the, with the Yankees. It's the pedigree of the names that might be an issue as the season goes on. But there's enough, there are enough people to fill that role. But we need, we need that premier pitcher like Britain as we go into September, October to lock down that eighth inning. And if, you know, you um, take the role as a closer if Chapman needs an off day, you know, if he's pitched too many games. So that's you need, they need to, they got to really, they have to do this right and let him, let him pitch, let him come back at his own pace, not the Yankees' pace. That's the, that's the most important right now. Right. Yeah. They Other can't rush this. I mean, you have to agree because rushing a player back never works. I don't see – I've never seen it work. I don't see the point in it. I don't understand why it would even be a consideration to rush a player back. The player knows when his body is like that. And, yes, sometimes they're going to lie and say that they're ready when they're not because they want to play. But yeah. that's your job as a good manager and a good front office. The same uh, thing yet. Exactly. Like Derek Jeter would constantly say, no, I'm going to play. I'm going to play. I'm going to play. And there were times in which Corey and Zimmer knew not to do that. So it's like, you, you know, you can't give powers all the players. This is not the basketball league where you get to have the player be the GM and the coach too, like LeBron James, who I cannot stand. He is awful. I hate his stupid woke speeches. Just going to throw that out there. Anyway. Um, no, because sometimes no, we try to, you know, sometimes we get on the, the place that gets up and talks about how woke he is. Back to the bullpen. <laughs> anyway, uh, Cashman deserves all the credit in the world because we've had a relevant, nasty bullpen 
since 2014. Yeah. You know, we traded our the two best closers in the game to build the franchise we now have today, and we still have one of those closers. Yep. No, and the, the Britain trade, the Britain trade was magnificent. Do you remember what we gave up for, for Britain? Because it, it was significant, but it wasn't much. It was Dylan Tate and a couple of other pieces. Exactly. I can't remember the other and, two players. And Dylan Tate was never going to be something special here. We, we did not – he, again, had control issues, and we were dealing more with uh, Justice Sheffield and trying to figure out his control yeah. issues. So the two of them just didn't make sense for us, especially with the depth that we have and all the pitchers we have in our minor league. It's pretty amazing what that 2016 uh, trade deadline turned into. You know, it got us Gleyber Torres and Clint Frazier. And for a couple of years, or at least a season, we got Paxton out of it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, turned into Zach Britton as well because we traded Beltron to get Tate. So it was very, very interesting how Cashman pulled all that off. And he still gets a lot of uh, a lot of heat for it. And he may not be the perfect GM, but I don't think he's the worst GM like some people would say he is. Right. I mean, look at the Justin Wilson trade that got us uh, Sessa and Chad Green. Then right. we got Wilson back. And then you look at um, the Brian McCann trade that got us two pieces uh, that we're using. I, I forget who it was, but we I know. We got a Brayu. We got a Brayu out of that trade. So he's another Abreu. guy that they could possibly use. Another hard thrower, but again, he has control issues. So. Yep, exactly. So it's like all these sub trades attached to other trades really turned into something special. I mean, he, he does a good job of maximizing value within those trades. You know, and sometimes, you know, with these younger players, you don't know who that, how they're going to develop. You know, they, they might turn into being the all-star. You know, remember when um, Toronto made the trade with the, with the Mets, the main part of that trade was for Darno. Syndergaard was an afterthought. Look at, look at how that, you know, what Syndergaard turned into. Yeah, because the uh, Mets don't know how to develop anyone. They really, really don't know how to do it. <laughs> how, but please. could you imagine if, if Syndergaard was still in that Toronto organization? Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he, I think he would have been handled much better. Yeah. You know, Toronto doesn't always have the opportunity to have an ace, but when they get one, they tend to protect him very well. I mean, Roy Holiday, Halliday really spent significant time in there and they wanted to keep him as long as possible. Yeah. And they knew when they got rid of him that they had to do so. Um, yeah. I think the same would have been with, with Syndergaard. If they could have kept him, we would have seen something special there. And then they would have traded him at the tail end. Yeah. I actually I saw a stat about Roy Halladay. He has thrown the most complete games since 2009, and he's obviously, you know, what happened with him sucks, but um, he's been retired for a very long time, <laughs> yet he's still thrown the most complete games in that time span. Yeah, it tells you the I, kind of special pitcher he was. was. I don't think we're going to see a pitcher. You know, I think the closest thing we might get to that is maybe Degrom, but even they don't let him go you know, that long. Cause you know, we have uh, so many innings limits on these pitchers and they try to protect these arms, but you really yeah. have to admire how special of a pitcher holiday was. No, let's be, well, the ground would have more complete games under his belt if they didn't have, if they had the DH. Yeah. They can score for him. Well, if he was on the Yankees, he would have had more run support. Can you imagine him playing for us instead of Herman during that same season, getting seven run support? <laughs> 
He would have he would have had a 50 ERA, 0.50. Yeah, it's been, when you think about what you know, when you when you go into those, you know, what could have been scenarios, it can get pretty interesting. <laughs> well, I think we need to talk about what happened with Roy Halladay because it, he had a drug issue and it cost him his life. And we've seen multiple players in Major League Baseball have these types of issues that were known issues and they just don't get the help they need. It's like Tyler Skaggs too. He was supplied opioids by someone who was supposed to protect him. That's, that's a big deal. And I know Roy also dealt with depression and other stuff, but like, it's very tragic that these types of issues, which you don't really know until you see it, but when you see it, you know, so completely what you missed, you know? Yeah. Like when someone commits suicide during their life, you're not thinking about all the red flags, but when they're gone, you go, oh my God, that was a red flag. That was a red flag. And it's horrible, horrible to deal with that. So I just think as a society and a community in baseball, we really need to talk about mental health issues. We need to talk about drug issues. And, you know, people have these issues. They're not bad people just because they have these issues. We need to figure out how to be good people and make it so that even though they have these issues, they can live a good life and not affect the other people around them. That I think that's the point. Yeah, it's it's always bad because, you know, as fans, we look at these guys, you know, in a different light than uh, non-fans would. So when you lose a player like Halliday, you know, we, we lost Tyler Skaggs. who may not have been a huge name, but you know, it was still a big loss of the baseball world. Think about Jose Fernandez as well. We lost a lot of big name players and it, it, you know, obviously taking away from the baseball aspect of it, you've lost a life. You know, you may not have known the person, but you're like, man, you know, the first thing that comes to your mind is like, that sucks. You know, that's really all you can say is like, that's, that's tragic. But then you yeah. go back to baseball and you kind of get a little selfish, like, man, we'll never get to see that guy pitch again. And then you really have to think about what was going through his head at all this, you know, could he have gotten help? Maybe he didn't seek help. Maybe someone could have helped him that didn't. And there's a lot of questions and it just, you know, certainly would help if more people were, were there to help the player, you know, maybe yeah. the whole league in, in itself has to do the, the league in itself has to do better for sure. Yeah. yeah I, I bring up um, Ryan Friel all the time. He's the first baseball player with CTE. Uh, he knew he had it because of all his concussions and he committed suicide um, but he had his brain studied at a university and they said, yes, he had CTE. Um, and I know his wife said that that at least brings her comfort knowing that her husband was literally going crazy um, and didn't want uh, the family to deal with that. But, you know, it's it's tough all around. I remember when Corey Lytle died. Yeah. I mean, that was <laughs> that was brutal. Um, so just, you know, if, if you're, if you're feeling a certain way and you have these issues and you know about them, it's okay to speak out and find someone to give you more support. There's no reason to ever be embarrassed about how your mental health is holding up. Yeah, no, we'll put the, we'll put the link, um, the mental health link back in the uh, description of the video today. Thank you. Um, is, it is important that people seek out help if they need it because you know, depression, it, 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 you know, uh, it doesn't have a bias towards a certain group of people. It affects everybody, you know, whether you're rich, poor, you know, black or white, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. 
you know, what your background is, what your lifestyle is. You know, the brain the brain works at its own, you know, pace. So it's it's something that you know, just be you know, he had all this money. How could he have been so you know? No, it doesn't work that way. Right. You know, it affects everybody. I'd actually think that the more money and fame you have, the lonelier you would be, which affects your mental health drastically worse. Yeah, I agree. That's why I'm happy because I have no money. <laughs> yeah, I'm broke as shit. <laughs> no, so, but no, it is it is a, a very serious issue. You know, you try to, you know, you crack a little joke here and there to keep yourself. Well, because it's you know, painful to talk about. It's painful it is, it knowing is. that there's people out there who just can't, they don't have help. So, all right, well, we're going to wrap this up here. We are going to revisit this at another time because we do need to get back into that discussion. Yeah, um, we need to have Laura on to talk about yeah. this. Um, all right. Uh, from everybody, YankeeChronicles.com. Hope everybody is having a good day. Stay safe. Except Donald. Except for Donald. <laughs> Stay safe. <laughs> Stay smart and go Yankees. Go Yankees. <laughs>